Hello, and welcome to This Changes Everything. My name is Larry Jeannie, and I'll be your host as we explore an approach to education that redefines the very purpose of schools, to train students to become responsible and self-directed learners, and to prepare them to live fulfilling and productive lives. This episode consists of a working session with Ryan Murphy, who's a math teacher at Niles North High School. Uh, we'll be talking about a range of topics, but one of the first topics and one of the more important ones is the question of mindsets. This is an idea that was uh, introduced by Carol Dweck a number of years ago, and the idea is that many students who are not successful attain a kind of uh, what's called a fixed mindset, and in that state, they believe that uh, it's already a done deal. Some people are good at math, some people are not, for instance. But they don't believe that working harder will make any difference at all. They're just not cut out for this kind of uh, academics. When people are taught to have a growth mindset, on the other hand, they realize that the harder they work, the more successful they are. And they attain a kind of optimism, and it encourages a kind of tenacity to keep going when you struggle at first. So we'll be talking about the issues of mindset and how to encourage the growth mindset in uh, students, but we'll also be covering a lot of other topics, uh, including what the room should look and feel like and how much power should students have to shape what their experience in the room is. Here, then, is that conversation. You know, so I think probably, Larry, the, the biggest thing that I fight in regular pre-calculus is, you know, apathy and confidence, really. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really where I see the biggest, the biggest obstacle to those students being able to do math is not, is not their ability to do math or what the content is. It's almost their own hurdles or their own math experience and, and how they feel about themselves you yeah. know, as mathematicians. And it's something I think that you've been working with uh, Katie Kanokata on. I think it's something that you and I have talked about throughout this year. Yeah. You know, and we set up these preview activities. We set up all this differentiation to kind of to mask some of the... Well, not to mask per se, but to for some students to not realize that we're fighting against some of those issues of confidence and control, yeah. things like that. Because if we give them control, they're more likely to say, "Yeah, you know what? I think I can do this now." That's right. Right. And if we we work on a lot of these sub skills, we're like, "Okay, I can. I got the sub skill. This yeah. is where I'm hung up. Oh yeah, I can do this now." So it's yeah. it's we're almost um, we're almost looping around that confidence issue. Because I do find when a lot of these students face that new hurdle, they and do they revert stuck. back yeah. into that position where they can't again. Yeah. And then I find a strategy where it allows them to say to themselves, oh, yeah, you know what? I can do this. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's an old habit. It's an old right. posture towards the world that they revert to when things get tough. And I, I guess I'm still concerned that with myself providing a lot of these opportunities for them to, I wouldn't say overt, but for them to retrain their, their mind, mm -hmm. you know, when is, it, when is it their turn? Like, when is it their <laughs> turn to be like, okay, you know, I, I recognize that I'm experiencing this, this mindset that is 
prohibiting me from learning mathematics or whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. And I now have to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. I ha- now have to do this strategy, and I'm I'm wondering if it's it has to be like a, a mass effect. Like it can't just happen in math. You know, it has to happen in, in multiple courses for students to retrain themselves. I don't think that's true. I don't. I, I think um, in my experience with my own students, I believe, and, and when they would write to me at the end of the year, what, what's happened? What's happened to you as a person mm-hmm. between then and now? A lot of people would respond um, that no matter what else is going on, they know something about themselves in their other classes. They now know something about themselves that they didn't used to know. Okay. And that that's uh, irreversible. I think when somebody understands the difference between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset and what those two things feel like, the sense of frustration and um, uh, pessimism that goes with the fixed mindset and the sense of optimism and tenacity that goes with the growth mindset, Right. this one feels better. Right, and they now know that they're capable of doing it. And if they can do that in a in a pre-calc class or a physics class, they pretty much know they can do it anywhere. Right, and so that's something that they've now integrated into how they see themselves. And they may not have the ability to practice that in other classes necessarily, but the truth is, it's so um, it springs so much from the the the, the inner drive that they do carry it into other classes. Even if those classes aren't designed to, say, differentiate right. or give you choices, they may chafe at not having choices, and they, and they will. I mean, once you've tasted the ability to have some freedom about how you learn something and some responsibility in, in steering yourself through that process, not having that freedom and not being able to steer yourself is is uh, stultifying. It, 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 Shuts down mm-hmm. uh, their sense of um, their sense of self. Well, I, I mean, I think that happens in the world of work too, sure. right? You know, if you're in the world of work and you don't have freedom and choice about how you go about your work, then you often can shut down. It's very authoritarian. Yep, and um, it it uh, it cultivates a kind of um, passivity that they've experienced. You know, most students are relatively passive most of the time. Yeah. They've been told what to do, you know. So when they are making choices, when they're given the opportunity and they're trained how to, how to make choices, how to be more self-aware, um, I, don't, I don't think it has to be everywhere in the school doing the same thing right. for that to take hold. In fact, that might actually dilute it somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. I think and we had that conversation last time about the dilution effect yeah. uh, on some of the learning that students have. Um, and, and here's one other thing. I would have conversations, uh, you know, when, when, when a student would complain that, you know, I, I don't have the ability to do this in my other classes. We would have explicit conversations about the fact that this is an island of one thing and a sea of something else. Mm-hmm. And when you walk into this room, you do this stuff, and then when you walk out, you do some, that other thing. You know, you're, you're back to regular traditional school. The transition is important. 
how you do it from coming in and going out. Right. And what you carry from this out into the rest of your experience in school really is important, both because you're representing what we do here when you go into your math class or your history class or whatever. And so how you handle the discrepancy between having freedom and power in this room and not having freedom and power in the next class you walk into, how you handle that matters. Mm -hmm. And can you do it in a respectful way? Can you, uh, can you, you know, live with the fact that there's really, your experiences are really different from class, and it's true anyway. Right. Their experience from class to class and teacher to teacher is, you know, often wildly different experiences. Right. You know, whether a teacher's more compassionate, more controlling, more open to conversation, whatever. Yeah, I, I so think, it's, it, you know, I think this conversation would resonate more with my advanced students because I have given more control to my advanced students because they have been they have sought out more opportunity to self-regulate um, yeah. and they've handled that self-regulation better um, and I you know I'm not sure if the students that are in the regular track if it's because they've had more control they've be, because of probable possible possibly because of maybe behavioral situations in other classes they haven't been allowed you know that ability to have their own regulation as much and so when I've given them that freedom um, you know the same level of freedom as some of my other students they, they haven't been able to handle it as well yeah so I've, I, I haven't given as much freedom and it, which is I, appropriate right and, and maybe that is appropriate you know and so in my regular classes you know we've talked a lot about that analogy that I told you about earlier the refrigerator yeah. thing yeah and my, my period eight students have really latched onto that in fact um, I had another student provide another portion of that today. Okay. Uh, and, and that's what I wanted to tell you about. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, just to recap, you know, I was talking with my running partner and we came up with this idea uh, about like the brain working like a refrigerator, right? So you open the door, the light turns on, you're really thinking about your work. Your refrigerator works really hard, just like your brain works really hard when you're opening yourself to a new idea. Um, and then when you when you take the time and you close that door, you're not shutting off the learning, you're just taking a break from that particular topic right then and there. But in the background, your brain's working just like the compressor of the, the refrigerator's working. Your brain's yeah. working, working, and working, keeping that idea fresh, right? Mm -hmm. Just like you keep the food fresh. And then when you open the door again, the light comes on again, and you might have that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you decide, you know, I can't learn this, I'm never gonna learn this, you unplug the refrigerator and everything spoils, right? And if you do plug it back in, it takes a lot, a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work to get back to where you were. Right, right. Well, a student added this today. They said, you know, actually, Mr. Murphy, what's in the refrigerator is the short-term memory. So that's the short-term memory. That's, you're working hard, you keep that for a short-term, yeah. right? You know, you, you, you work and, and things like that. And the things yeah. that you don't want to spoil, yeah. that you haven't been able to use yet, or you know you want to keep for later, you actually put those in the freezer. <laughs> and that's the long term. That's your long term. And, and to keep things in the long term, you got to work even harder to keep them there. Yeah. He said, but that, you know, once those things are frozen, yeah. it takes a long time for them to spoil, yeah. even if you don't think about them. Once they're in that long term memory, wow, that's that I was, was really creative. Like, yeah, yeah. Peri you know, period eight, and I think it's because I experienced period two 
I have all day to think about it. And then when I go to period eight, I'm, I, I'm a better version of myself. Yeah. I provide that better teaching experience. Yeah. You know, when I'm in my advanced classes, periods three, five, and six, you know, I, I can kind of adjust how they, they go. And, and period three really pushes me to really think about it while we're doing it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I... I don't feel like those periods have a different version very much. They're, yeah. they're getting this similar yeah. experience and, and they get to take, because they're in more control, they get to take it and run with it, how their classes and periods yeah. want to go. Yeah. Um, well, I'm impressed that your students were clear about the difference between working memory and long-term memory. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're really learning something, working memory is not all that useful. I no, mean, it's it, useful in part of, as part of the process, right? But but unless it gets into long term memory, you can't say you learned it, right? Well, you and know, and if they know that, yeah, you know, because that's 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 for instance one of the keys between whether a test is actually measuring learning or not, right? It's just remember measuring how much you remember and things and, like and that. And it could be short term or long term yeah. memory that's contributing to you doing well on a test. Mm. In one case, you've learned it; in the other case, you haven't. So if they're clear about that, they're, they're also clear, I think, about some really underlying mechanics of doing school versus not doing school, mm -hmm. you know, versus actually learning. I think that I'm going to stop with my regular pre-calculus students at the end of this learning cycle, because mm -hmm. I feel like there's been a lot or just a lot of time, and I'd like to give them the opportunity to show what they know, yeah. um, as opposed to trying to put too much together. Yeah. With the advanced students, you know, I can put four, five, six different items together and, and then give an assessment on that. And I'm, I'm really trying to break that big unit habit that I used to have. Um, yeah. You know, and when I, you make a big unit, then I have to go back a lot. I have to go back and back. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and the advantage of the smaller units is that you can build on success. Right. Whereas if you get to the end of a big unit and somebody's struggling, you got a mess on your hands. Right, and yeah. I think the biggest thing too of a big unit, sometimes it's hard to tell where they're struggling. Yes. It's like, what are they even struggling with? Yes. Is it everything? Is yes. it, right? That's if right. they don't get the first couple problems, right. they, they'll often t give up or you whatever. Can, you can counter that by having more ungraded feedback along the way. Mm -hmm. So a, a ticket to leave kind of problem. Or right, a, I've, had, I've had entrance tickets the yeah. last, uh, last three days. Uh -huh. So to enter in our activity, yeah. And you then at least you know how things are going out right. there and how many people are struggling with this or that. Right. And you can steer the, steer the activity accordingly. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, that's harder to do if you're going for three weeks on one topic. You know, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's yeah. much harder to do. I, I found a couple weeks talking about one thing to be pretty close to ideal from from mm -hmm. me and my students. Two weeks, one topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and all the variations on a theme. Right, the nuances of it, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I think sometimes though in math we decide that we want to show all the nuances. We want to show every way you can do something. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got caught up in that a little bit yeah. here with these equations, right? I showed yeah. them how the graphical representation works with some of the basic ones and they were like, yeah, that's great. I totally understand that. Yeah. And then I showed them how it works if you try to manipulate from 
uh, polar to rectangular and things like that. As soon as that that was where it got hung up. When I went rectangular back to polar, they they were like, "Oh, okay, that's no problem." Yeah. Um, but watching is not the same as doing. Right. Right. And and that's and the other thing is when you when you introduce a new topic, let's say there are five variations on a theme, mm-hmm. and you do the first one, and they have to do the remaining four. They have to. They, there's a, a level of critical thinking that's going on. They're not just mimicking what you did. Right. They're seeing how to apply it under different circumstances, looking for a different response. To, you know, um, having them explore, preferably in small groups, mm-hmm. so that they can teach each other as they figure it out. Um, really, um, it, it, it's a. A, it's an essential part of the learning process. Right. How do I apply this to something I haven't seen before? Mm-hmm. Is that gets the gears working in the brain? You know, that gets them thinking. <laughs> How does this actually work? As opposed to I can do what you just did. Right. I can, know, I can. I can. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, change the number and I can plug it in and I can do it. Ah, uh, you're totally right. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, I can do that with different numbers. I can yeah. do that. Te- yeah, show me the, how to do the test. I can do that with different numbers. Yeah, uh, I think we fall into that trap a lot as educators. Yeah, you know, I um, want to explain everything. Yeah, yeah. There's also um, I had an engineering teacher. I, I, I actually have a degree in mechanical engineering, oddly enough. But I have a degree I, in science. Yeah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> um, I had a, an engineering teacher once who said, "Here's how you know if you're working with an engineer. If there are five bumps on a thing." He wants to make sure there's a name for every one of the bumps. Oh. You know? <laughs> and it's kind of like that, okay, there are five ways to vary this problem solving. I'm going to show you all five of them. Right. You know, and, right. and there's an ownership to that. I own this. Right. I'm letting you visit the thing that I own. Right. If you want it to be theirs, they have to, you know, do the work themselves, you yeah. know, and, and figure stuff out themselves that they haven't seen before, so... Yeah, I mean, I remember sitting at home at like 11 o'clock cursing my math teacher's name because I was looking at the math textbook and looking at this problem I couldn't do and looking at my notes and trying to make sense of it. And then the sense of joy that you got when you when you figured, when it, you out. figured it out yeah. and you were then able to tell everybody all this amazing work that you did the next day yeah. was much more exciting than just having somebody show you, being the one shown. It was a relief when somebody showed you and you got it. Yeah, but, yeah, and you know, sometimes there's a difference between joy and relief. Yeah, know? yeah, and exactly, and and sometimes having somebody show you how to get to the end of a long path it is actually really helpful. It is. It actually. There are it, times it, where you want to do that, but uh, in general, I think the the more work the student does independent of the teacher, the better. I did want to show you something really anecdotal and off topic. Yeah. I have a group of five students that loves working together in the back of my room, period six, and they've worked together all year, and they've been great. Yeah. They're superb. Yeah. And this was the arrangement they had in their desks, and they've slowly moved to different spots, and they've said, you know, they haven't, so there's five students, right, they were, they were going to do, they were doing a three by two, and um, these, and they're facing each other? Th- so these students are all facing forward, the yeah. three in the back were all facing forward, Yeah. And the two students in front of them are facing each other, um, and because of where my projector is, which would be off to the off center of one of the students facing, they would always have to turn, and they were they were frustrated by that. And I yeah. said, "Well, I know you guys want to work in a group of five, 
figure out your <laughs> figure out <laughs> your the, geometry. Yeah, because there was someone that was always a little bit frustrated in that yeah. group. And so they they tried different configurations and the one they finally came up to is a U shape. I I kind of guided them a little bit towards this, but they developed this U shape so they could all kind of face forward and all look at each other with, with a simple turn. So their their desks are actually angled a little bit in this U shape. Nice, nice. And uh they they That's did some... it for the first time today. Yeah. Um, and they, they really liked it, and they now calling themselves the, the panel of five or the five judges. Or, <laughs> yeah, the five judges. They're judging me from the back. They're yeah. the five judges. Yeah. So they've nice. even developed their own nickname. If they come up with T-shirts, Larry, you, you got to uh, print them up. I got to print them out, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I got to help them figure this out. They'll probably put That's my face nice, on them. That's a nice, really practical, and you know, it's creativity at work. Yeah, well, yeah. They, 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 were, Solving a problem. they were frustrated, but, you know, these, these two people were always frustrated a little bit. This one, yeah. not so much, but they were like, you know, why, I want, to see, I want this better. Like, I know I want to communicate with these people, Yeah. and how can we do this better? And when they looped into groups, they just, they, these two then just came in a little bit. So when we work as a whole class, they do this little maneuver, and we, you know, yeah. they, they came back out. So I thought it was really clever. That's really um, good. That they did. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to convince them that they need to return their seats every day, but I actually convinced the students in Ms. Van Royen's period seven class to just reset, because they set their desks in a different way. So I convinced them to just, if my students forget, to just set the desks the other way they want. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, problem solved, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah that's, a, that's an interesting thing. You know, I used to always have my students in a U shape. Yeah. And I was sharing a room with another teacher who always had them sitting in rows. Right. And so we had that problem. You know, how do you translate from this kind of classroom to that kind of classroom? And so, whose job is that? Right. So Ms. Yeah. So Ms. Van Ren and I, you know, Nevin, we share our room and every setup for every class is different. Um, in, in fact, this group that's a five, I have two U's, like, I have like a couple L shapes like this, um, making a group of six, kind of, um, yeah. in period two. And then, you know, in period three, my period three kids come in and they do something different. So now the point, like, I don't even know how the desks in my room go, <laughs> or how they go, because the, the students just set them up the way they want them. Yeah, yeah, um, very nice, yeah. And there's a sense of ownership in that. This yeah. is their class. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't bring in a plant. I've been trying to bring in a plant all year. I forgot. Uh, yeah. uh, I brought a lamp that I saw and put together yet. Well, the, the light in the back of my room never shuts off. It's just it stays on. I have six, six lights, and when I flip the light switch, only five turn off. It's right over those five kids. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, I collected... Uh, I went to garage sales for a, a few years and just collected beat up old lamps mm -hmm. and put high efficiency bulbs in them and scattered them all around the room and put them on, you know, power strips mm -hmm. with extension cords. So, and there, that was one of the jobs my students would do is they, they'd go turn those lights on and turn off the overheads oh, and nice. set the room up, you know. So it nice. was like, yeah. And, you know, you buy a lamp for two bucks here and three bucks sure. here and, you know, pretty soon you have a pretty nice collection. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to think of other things that I want to bring into the room. Bubbles. Um, yeah. Something that makes a sound. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. What I'm concerned about is that my room has changed every year in the last six years. And so I don't want to get too invested in yeah. buying specific things for a specific room. Yeah. But if you have lamps, you can move them. You know. Yeah. Lamps are movable. Bubblers are movable. Yeah. 
I had a beat up old Persian rug in the middle of the room. Oh, so that'd be all right. Everybody was in a U shape around the rug, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah. together they work on the floor if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and they did. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, that's that's great stuff. Yeah, um, you know, I still, you know, it still feels frustrating because you, you know, I, I told my students I was a little frustrated with them in period two, you know, because I, I, I want, I want to make sure that mathematics isn't a gatekeeper for them doing what they really want to do with their life, and I want them to use mathematics or whatever they're talking about as a vehicle to do to learn about themselves and, and learn how to learn, develop their intellect, right? Yeah. Develop their intellect and. You know, at times I feel that they give up on themselves, and, and that that feeling to me is probably the biggest pet peeve I have is watching a student quit on themselves at yeah. anything. I, it was a, when they were a basketball coach, when I coached basketball, yeah. when we were doing service projects for NHS. Yeah. Um, you know, as an NHS coordinator, National Honor Society, and. Um, yeah. You know, in the math classroom. It doesn't and it doesn't matter what we're doing, whether it's something I consider difficult or something I consider you know, not not as difficult. That watching students give up is probably the most frustrating thing I do. Right. So so one thing um I had a conversation earlier with somebody else. Uh <clears throat> one thing to pay attention to is your emotional response to what a kid does. If a kid's giving up um, there's a reason why that's happening. Mm-hmm. And if you bring your reaction to it, even in a class where people are, you, you, have, a good, you have rapport with them, you know, it, the re- working relationship is good. When you bring um, an emotion like frustration or anger... If, or, if it's negativity, they almost always shut down or, or, that's, or, or they're embarrassed yeah. or they don't respond. Yeah. If, if I come at it with a sense of positivity, yeah, they're. I'm. It doesn't. They don't necessarily respond the no. way I want them to. But at least but you're not doing. Open, at least you're doing. To at least you're doing no harm. You know? Right. And if you're judging their their decisions, if you if you're judgmental, you're giving up. Why are you giving up? Right. You know, if you if you bring What's, an attitude to it. That then becomes you are provi- creating a barrier to their learning. Right. Well, I you almost become the, you almost become the excuse. Yeah. You know they can use you as an excuse that, yeah. for that. If you're you positive can, and you're constantly encouraging, they can't they can't say that's right. Right. They and if they're responsible for the learning and you show them a lot yeah. of the nuances. Yeah. Um. You know they can't they can't fall back to the excuse, well, my teacher can't teach. You know, that's another yeah, excuse. Well, or, my, yeah. I just want to be told what to do. You know, just yeah, tell yeah, me just, what to do. Yeah. Well, telling you're me not, what to do teaching. isn't learning. That's, you, it's good listening. Yeah, it's not right. Learning. right. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the bell. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> another, another Thanks again, Larry. Yeah, you yeah. bet. I would like to thank Ryan Murphy for joining me in this conversation, and I'd like to thank you for listening. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can go to iTunes or any platform that you get your podcast from and search for This Changes Everything. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a review since that helps spread the word. You can contact me directly at larrygenie at gmail.com. That's L-A-R-R-Y-G-E-N-I at gmail. 
If you're interested in diving deeper, you can also go directly to my website at www.genieconsulting.org. There you'll find two books that I've written on these topics. They're freely available, along with video clips of classrooms at work and a library of useful information for teachers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you'll join me again next time. Thanks. Thanks.